Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Hello, faithful podcast listeners. Pastor Adam here. Hey, we wanted to just give you this uh, quick announcement. First of all, I want to say how much we love you and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast on the Potter's House Church here in Virginia Beach. And just wanted to give you a heads up, we're making some changes to this podcast uh, that's going to benefit you and also our ministry here in the Potter's House Church. So just to inform you, we've switched our podcasting host. It's a service called Anchor, and that has allowed us to uh, receive and generate some income through the placement of a couple of advertisements during our podcast. So we just wanted to inform you of this change because going forward, you are going to hear one or two 30-second ads during each podcast uh, sermon. So um, as a result of that small inconvenience on your part, it means that our church can monetize these podcasts and also that means that we can receive some financial support so that we can continue the work of winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. So we just wanted to say thank you again for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing these messages. And thank you for your patience as we make this helpful change. We hope you have a great day. God bless. Open up your Bibles with me this evening. As we turn into the Word of God... And as we believe God to help us tonight, hallelujah, so glad that you're here. And uh, thinking a little bit ahead, as our children are going back to uh, school in just a couple of weeks, uh, let's open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. You'll find that in the Word of God tonight. Luke chapter 2. I... Uh, I got saved. Uh, the first salvation experience that I had uh, was when I was 13 years old. Some of you can remember that far back. Uh, 13 years old. I was at a Bible uh, camp uh, that our uh, that our church was putting on, and it was happened to be in a city called San Luis Obispo in California. And it was amazing that at that time, there was wildfires happening in California, um, and uh, it, was, it was such a surreal uh, environment because all around, if you looked up into the hills around the city, you could see smoke rising from the top of those uh, mountains, and the, the, the clouds from the smoke began to just cover up the sun. It, one night as we were there... Uh, the fire got so close to our Bible camp that we had to take cover. We all had to be in a gymnasium uh, for several hours because the firefighters were concerned that it was going to take a turn toward the place that we were. 
Um, but I remember that so vividly because at the same time, our very lives were in danger of being burned alive. On those same nights, we would come together and sing a few little songs. And there was a man who got up and talked about Jesus. And for the first time in my life, I can remember understanding what the gospel really meant. And something about that dangerous, harrowing situation began to focus my mind on what the, the things that were truly important in life. You know, God has a pattern of doing that, doesn't he? He uses those difficult things that we go through to really sort out and prioritize our lives. When I came home from that Bible camp uh, as a 13-year-old, I really uh, didn't have any uh, have much direction for spiritual things. And uh, when I came back, um, even though I had had a, 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 an experience with God and I had met with Him at an altar call, my life didn't really change. I was not born again. And so uh, things didn't really change. It wasn't until three years later when I was 15, I got my driver's permit in Arizona. You can do that when you're 15 and a half years old. And I had started driving, started feeling the, uh, the freedom of that. I'd gotten a vehicle. My grandfather had gifted to me a 1978 Chevy Beauville. It was beauty. And uh, with the paint falling off and the rust all around the edges, uh, but it was mine. Glory to God. And, um, and I was kind of riding on, uh, high on life for a few months there. And then uh, during that time, my, my grandfather, not, not the, my other grandfather who's married to my grandma who's sitting over there, uh, that was the year that he died uh, of leukemia. And that was very tragic for me uh, because I loved him very much and looked up to him and was a great a pillar of faith in my life. So I went through that and uh, there was a time when my faith was really shaken and I was wondering, God, you know, are you doing something here? Then about six months after that, my other grandfather, my dad's side, he died as well. Uh, in this case, it was unexpected. Uh, he, had, he had had a heart attack and, uh, and just fell down dead. And so within six months of each other, I was confronted again with this life and death scenario. I know that my, uh, my grandfather on my mom's side, that he was a strong Christian, and that he was going to heaven. And I would see him again one day. But then, my other grandfather, I wasn't so sure. In fact, I knew for a fact that he had never received Christ as his Savior. And so those two competing thoughts as in my 16-year-old brain began to work themselves through, and I began to think about, God, what about, what about when I die? And I couldn't see it at the time, but I realized later that God was using those tragic events of my life again to sort out and prioritize what was truly important. And it was just a short time later that a cute blonde girl invited me to a church that I'd never been to before. I said, what are you doing tonight, girl? And she said, I'm going to church tonight, boy. And so she said, you want to come with me? I said... If you're going to be there, then I'll go. And I went for all the wrong reasons, but uh, that girl named Taya took me to the, the Door Christian Center in Chandler, Arizona. And it wasn't long before I got serious about my life for God. 
and my life was turned around, and I was born again. And uh, now that's been uh, 22 years later that, uh, that Jesus Christ has made himself so real in my life. And he has been able to, uh, to transform me in incredible, incredible ways. And so I'm saying all of that tonight because I want you to understand that when, especially when we are in our youth, God wants to help us to prioritize the things that are truly important. This is not just something for the youth in our lives, no matter where you are, no matter how old you are tonight. Sometimes we as human beings have a way of treating things too important. Things that steal our time and our attention and our affection that ought to be in the kingdom of God. How many know tonight the reason that God saved us is not for us? The reason tonight that you are alive and not dead is because God has a plan for you. And yes, of course, that plan can include things that you enjoy, things that you love to do. But I believe too often tonight we are so focused on the things of this earth and the things that steal our attention that many times the kingdom of God pays a price that it shouldn't have to pay. In the scripture we're about to read, we're going to read about a young Jesus. It's the only account in the Bible where uh, Jesus is a youth. We see him for a few chapters as a baby when he was born. And then we have most of the gospel accounts of him in his, uh, in his ministry where he is age 30 or above. But we only have this very one, this very rare account of him in between baby and man. And it's right here as a 12-year-old Jesus reveals what life is really supposed to be about. I want you to join me in Luke chapter 2 in verse 46. Now, so it was that after three days they found him, Jesus, in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have sought you anxiously. I want you to hold on to this statement that Jesus answered. He said unto them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? I want you to say must be about. He said, I must be about my father's business. And that's the title of my message tonight, my father's business. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come tonight by the blood of Jesus. I thank you for the people gathered in this place tonight. I'm asking, Lord, once again, That our hearts, God, would be turned back to the kingdom, to the needs of your kingdom, of your church. I'm praying, God, that we would see the areas and the parts of our lives that we can be about your business and not our own. I'm asking you, God, to remind young people in this place about the priority, God, of serving you and doing your business. We thank you for the kingdom and all of its priorities. We pray in Jesus' mighty name tonight. And God's people would say, Amen. I want to speak to you firstly about the business of 
the Father. How many know that the Father has some business to take care of? There is such a thing as kingdom business tonight. There are things in life that are our business, that is worldly business, school business, work business, making money business. And God's will certainly weaves in throughout all of those things, but what we cannot deny from the Scripture is that God has business for us. Jesus, at 12 years old, as He is preparing for His bar mitzvah, in the Jewish tradition, it was the age of 13 that young boys would enter into adulthood. In the Jewish tradition, that bar mitzvah party, when on their 13th birthday, or for a girl, they call it the bat mitzvah party, where it is a rite of passage, where young boys turn into young men. The whole concept of teenagers or adolescents in our world today is a made-up concept. In the Jewish tradition, you have boys and girls, or you have men and women. I dare you to find anything in between in the Bible. And so it was this rite of passage at 13 years old that Jesus is entering into the time of life where they, as youngsters, begin to think about what adulthood is going to be for their lives. And here he is. Traditionally, as, as, a, as a boy goes through the bar mitzvah uh, party and process and becoming a man, it was this time in his life that he begins traditionally to pick up the trade of his father. It was at this time, a bar mitzvah, that, that he begins building a house. In those times, uh, the, the way that would normally work is that uh, a boy would have his 13th birthday party, the bar mitzvah, and the very next day, he would go become an apprentice at his father's business. So whether his father was a carpenter, or a, uh, he was a lawyer, or he was a Pharisee, or he was, uh, he was a tax collector, whatever, whatever dad was doing, at age 13, the boy would then go in and become a, an apprentice and begin learning the trade of his father. And so it's no accident then that as Jesus is preparing for his 13th birthday, that he is concerned about the business of his father. But in this case, Jesus was not only learning how to be a carpenter. We know that he did that as well. But we see in this scripture that Jesus begins to put his priority in not just his earthly father's business, but in his heavenly father's business. My question is, what about you tonight? When you were 12 years old or 13 years old, could you at that time or can you here tonight, can you realize that the father has some business for you? Can I ask you this question? Why do you get so distracted with other business? Why do you get so distracted with entertainment and YouTube and Facebook? Pastor Campbell said, well, why don't you put your face in his book? Tonight, I want to remind you about 
God has business for you and I to accomplish. And that business, I believe tonight, is business that is personalized for our lives. That God, He created you. Do you remember that? That God, He knows every hair on your head. And as He creates us, He also creates for us a plan of business for us. I try not to preach too much about my daughter's in sermons because they always get embarrassed. But I, I, I want to tell you why we are encouraging Jaylee to go on this mission trip. Because ever since we started talking about Romania and Bulgaria going to these nations for our mission trip, Jaylee has been excited about that. She was born there. And you know, up until a couple of weeks ago, we were kind of thinking, well, maybe she's not ready yet. She's still only 10 years old. And we were, Tay and I were discussing this and thinking about it, and we were thinking, Matt, well, maybe, you know, next year, the year after that. Until God began to challenge me, and because she was the one who began to have this desire. And if there's any desire for a youngster to have that we should encourage, it's the desire to be on a missions trip for Jesus. And when I realized that and God challenged me about that, I said, okay, Jaylee, listen, you're going to go. And we're going to make sure that this is not a vacation. <laughs> you're going to experience all of this, the work, the difficulty, the cars, the planes, the trains, the automobiles, but also the great joy of seeing people get saved, seeing people get healed. I want to encourage this in my daughter because I wish to God that somebody would have encouraged that in me when I was 10 years old or when I was 12 or 13 or 14. I'm not saying I didn't have any godly influence in my life. Of course I did. But what I am saying tonight is that can God encourage you? Can God challenge you to lay aside some more of your business so that you can take care of his business. See, it's very interesting to me when you think about this scripture, that Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. So a couple of thoughts here. First of all, Jesus did not say, I must be about my business. I believe that one of the greatest impediments, one of the greatest things that stops the kingdom of God from advancing is that right there, is when we have our own business. When we tell ourselves, I'm too busy, I'm too involved, I'm, my, I'm financially entangled, my, my business, listen, I have too much of my own business. I believe greater than Satan and his legions of demons. If we could realize tonight that our business oftentimes does more damage to the kingdom than every demon in hell, when we are too busy with selfish pursuits, when we say to ourselves, I must be, Pastor, I must be about my business. Now, I'm not suggesting tonight that you all quit your jobs and run up your credit cards, and be irresponsible. That's not what I'm saying. 
I'm saying tonight that there is a great need for us to understand once again that God has business for us. The reason that many people backslide away from the faith, they curse God and renounce the the love of Jesus and their church, is simply because I have no room for God anymore. Too busy. Can I tell you, can I remind you again tonight that when you came to an altar and cried out for mercy from God to forgive you of your sins, do you remember that day? You should. When you made a decision that I don't want to live in sin anymore and I want to be right with God, can you remember that when you gave your life to Christ, that you were not giving Him 5%, 10%, 20%, 8%, 8%, or even 90 or 95%. Christ demands 100% of our lives. Jesus did not say, I must be about my business. He also did not say, maybe I'll be about my father's business. You know, I'm not really sure what I want to do with my life. Maybe I'll go to the temple. Maybe I'll go to the club. Maybe I'll go to the movie theater. Maybe I'll go to school, to university. Maybe, listen, Jesus was certain, wasn't he? At 13, he says, I must be about my father's business. He's not saying, uh, you know, don't get so serious with me, mom and dad. Maybe I just need to see how things play out. I want to see if it's really worth it. What's in it for me? Jesus didn't have any maybes. He was not double-minded. This famous quote of Charles Spurgeon, as he was teaching uh, young men how to be preachers and how to be pastors and how to be men of God, one of the things that Charles Spurgeon, famous preacher in, in London, England, back in the back a hundred years ago or more, and he taught his disciples, he said, if there is anything else in this life that you can do besides preaching, then you should go do that. He said, I encourage you, if you have any doubt in your mind, do not become a preacher, pastor, leader in the church. Because what we need is men who will be committed to the call and to the business of the kingdom. He said, if there's anything else that you can do, then you should do that. Because the kingdom is, it is necessary for us tonight to be committed. I must be. 1 Kings 18, verse 21, Elijah came to the people and he asked, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people answered not a word. I I run into this many times when I ask people, what are they going to do with their lives? Young people, what are you going to do with your life? Are you going to serve the Lord? Answered not a word. (laughs) Young man, young disciple, what are you going to do with your life? If you go serve the world, then go serve the world. Are you going to serve your flesh? Then serve the flesh. Are you going to serve God? And do what's right? And do the Father's business? Then you know you should do that. Jesus said, Matthew 6, 24, No one can serve two masters. 
Either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, mammon the God of money. Can you honestly say tonight, I must be about my father's business? That phrase will set your life in a direction that will change everything. Jesus said that phrase at 12 years old. And listen, we think that Jesus won the battle against the flesh when he was tempted by the devil. And yes, that was a battle that he won. Or we think that Jesus overcame the will of his flesh in the Garden of Gethsemane as he surrendered his heart to the Lord. He said, God, if this cup, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me, right? We And we we see the struggle in the garden as he's being pressed before the cross. But can I submit to you tonight that I think the ultimate battle was won for the will of God when he was 12 years old. And he said, I must be about my father's business. You know, that's why in this place, you know, I've seen sometimes uh, as we pull altar calls in our churches and we, we invite people to come to the altar to pray for salvation. And sometimes I've seen preachers when, when little hands, when little two-year-olds or three-year-olds put their hands up in the air and the pastors, you know, they're, they're looking past those hands. We want, are there any adults here tonight that want to make a decision for Christ? I don't do that. And you know why? Because I believe that those little hands, that they're really hearing the gospel and they're really responding And that maybe the decision to be about the father's business could be made when someone is four years old, five years old, six years old. How much heartbreak would you have saved yourself if you would have gotten saved when you were six years old? How many bad decisions could you have avoided? How many heartbreaks if you at 12 years old could have said, I must be about my father's business? How many times would you save yourself from weeping all through the night if you at 13 or 14 or 15 would have made this statement, I must be about my father's business. See, it's when we say things like, I must be about my own business or don't bother me with the father's business, we are setting ourselves up for heartbreak and pain. I want to talk to you finally tonight about the fruits of diligence. You know, so often in life, we look at the people who are the overnight successes. So often we look at the, you know, the, the, those children, you know, at four years old who can play the piano like a virtuoso, and we marvel at amazing talents and abilities that people have. But can I remind you that the greatest things that we accomplish in our life are things that happen over time. It's not the overnight victories that make the most difference. It's not the overnight successes that truly change the world. Do you know what changes the world? Diligence. Just a little bit every day. Just continuing to make the right decisions again and again, day after day. 
It's when Jesus, at 12 years old, says, I must be about my father's business. And he's there at the temple speaking about the word of God. And then the next day, and the next day, and the day after that, and the year after that, Jesus staying faithful and diligent to the word and to the will of God. It's not the overnight. We look at the cross, yes, incredible victory over sin. We look at the the time that the Father spoke from heaven and the Spirit of God descended like a dove, Jesus being baptized. The great moments, Jesus on the top of the mountain and Moses and Elijah speaking to him, amazing. But can I... Can I submit to you that maybe we wouldn't have those great events unless first Jesus would have said, I must be about my father's business. I must be about my father's business. Are you a diligent, faithful believer? What would you think tonight if you had a watch? That only worked for one hour of the day. What would you think if you had a car that only worked one or two days of the week? You turn the, turn the key, oh, I guess it's not working today. Would you be okay with that? What would you think if you had a wife or a husband that says, uh, I only want to be your husband for three days of the week. And the other days of the week, I'm going to do my own thing. Would you be okay with that? What would you think if your body began rebelling against you for two or three days of the week? I'm asking you tonight, what do you think God feels about people who are only faithful to him one day of the week? How do you think God responds when he sees people who call themselves Christians and lift their hands on Sunday morning, but from Monday through Saturday act and think like demons? Or worse, like atheists, pretending that God is not even there. How do you suppose God feels about that? Is that a watch that you would keep? Is that a car that you would keep? Is that a person that God would keep? What I'm telling you tonight is that we gain incredible favor with God when we will say, Lord, I want to be about your business. I want to be involved in your business in your kingdom, in the things that you are doing. So often, our relationship with God is so self-centered. Our prayers can be self-centered. Am I still preaching to anybody here? We can be so self-centered that we forget that God has a plan. Our prayers can be, God, I need that. I need this. I need to pay the rent. I need to do that. I need to take care of this. God, would you do this for me? Do that for me. And God is nothing more than some a genie in a bottle that we're rubbing, hoping to get our wishes granted. My prayer tonight is that you would remind, be reminded that God has business. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And it is so much bigger than our puny little plans and ideas. If the Father's business can become your business, and I want to tell you this, you will live a wonderful life. An amazing, exciting, beautiful life. You look at the Word of God and you tell me who of all the Bible characters had the most fun. 
They were the ones who were intimately and with all of their hearts about the Father's business. The ones who were filled with regret, the ones who were filled with bitterness and anger and rage, guess who they were? The ones who were about their own business. David. David, we know, an imperfect man. Thank God, you know, he had flaws like everybody. But when you read the book of Psalms, you, I dare you to find anybody in the Bible who has more joy than David. Who has more ability to praise God and to, to, to worship God. Do you know why? Because David was about the Father's business. David was a man after God's own heart. He led an incredible life for time and for eternity. You think about the Apostle Paul, yes, who went through terrible things. He got beaten. He got whipped. He got cast out of cities. He got persecuted. I can guarantee you he did all of it with a smile on his face. The most exciting life you can live is the life of doing the business of the Father. Doing the business of the kingdom. The world has its little trinkets and its little treasures that it can offer to you. There's the the passing pleasure of sin that will make you feel good for a moment and leave you empty. But the kingdom. It's so funny, my... uh, my boss at my part-time job, the computer repair shop, he, he just hired a couple of new guys, and he's trying to hire somebody else to replace me now. And, uh, and so anyway, it, it, we just discovered the other day, he's trying to plan a company outing, you know. He wants to take the, the guys who work there, and he wants to take us out for, for some fun. And, uh, and so he, he's, he's talking about going to some place, and he says, yeah, we could get a big old pitcher of beer and have a good old time. <laughs> it was funny because... Because he, he looked at me after he said that, and he said, oh, yeah, but you don't drink. And then the, the, the new guy that he just hired, he says, oh, I don't drink either. And then the other guy that he just hired, he says, oh, I don't drink either. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we realized that even though you can have some fun with the spirits, it's nothing compared to the fun that you can have with the Holy Spirit. Jesus had a personal connection to his father's business. It was not just a hobby to him. It was not just one option out of many. The business of the father consumed him. John 4, verse 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I want to tell you tonight, if you would treat the will the will of God like food, some of y'all would be winning the world for Jesus. Some of y'all could take a nation. John chapter 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Do you know why Jesus had such a powerful life? Why did he heal so many people? Why did he preach so many incredible things? I'll tell you why. Because he followed the will of God. Jesus, we know that he was lacking of the sinful nature like we have. 
And so he was different in that way, but he is the same in this way. Listen, Jesus was just obedient. He just did the Father's business. And I want to tell you tonight that you and I, that we have the capability also to simply obey God. And when we obey Him and His will, and we are about the business of the Father, listen, your life can be powerful. John 9, verse 4, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. We talked about it on Sunday night, didn't we? The time that's coming when you won't be able to do anything else for the kingdom. The time is coming soon. As long as you are on this life, as long as you are still breathing, listen, you still have something that you can do for the kingdom. If nothing else, you can serve as a bad example. How do you view the kingdom of God? How do you view the business of God? You view it as a burden, as a difficulty, as a waste of time, as something you do after you've done everything else. Church is just a hobby, Bible study. Or is it something more, something personal? I want to challenge you tonight. I want to challenge you. God has business you and I. I close with this story. Bertoldo de Giovanni is a name that very few of you will recognize. He was the student of the famous Donatello, the greatest sculptor of his time. He was also the teacher of Michelangelo, the greatest sculptor of his time. Michelangelo was 14 years old when he came to Bertoldo. It was already obvious that he had enormous talent Bertoldo was wise enough to realize that gifted people are often tempted to coast rather than grow, and therefore he kept trying to pressure his young student to work seriously at his art. One day he came into the studio and found Michelangelo playing with a piece of sculpture that was far beneath his ability. Bertoldo grabbed a hammer, stomped across the room, smashed the work into pieces, shouting this unforgettable message, Michelangelo, talent is cheap. Dedication is costly. With that lesson, Michelangelo became the greatest sculptor of all time because of a wise teacher that recognized the need not just for talent, but the power of faithfulness and diligence. I want to remind you tonight, God has called you to be faithful to your calling, and to the business of the kingdom. Let's bow our heads tonight and close our eyes as we bring this service to a close. I am so grateful to God that He saved me and at a young age set me on a path that has led me to this pulpit and this service here tonight. And I want to tell you, there's people here that you're going to make decisions about the will of God that is going to determine whether your life makes a difference or whether it does not. I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste the time that God has given me on this planet in selfish pursuits, selfish desires, selfish plans, selfish business.
My prayer tonight is that there is somebody who would hear this message that Jesus spoke at a young age, 12 years old. He said, I must be about my father's business. My prayer is that would, that would inspire somebody here tonight. There's somebody here tonight that would, that would catch a vision. God, what is the business that you have for my life? What is the business that you need me to take care of? If we would see tonight that God depends upon people like us, broken, sinful, imperfect people like us, God is depending on us that His kingdom could go forward in the earth, that souls could, be, could hear the gospel, that the church could be prominent and influential in our time. God is looking for people who would make that same statement tonight, I must be about my Father's business. God help us if we have a church full of people who are about their own business or about the world's business or about their flesh business who are so caught up in the pursuit of other things that the kingdom of God suffers and the business of God does not get done. There was a scripture where God, He began to seek for a man. I sought for a man. I couldn't find anyone. I believe He's still seeking tonight. He's seeking. My question is, can you answer the call? Before we open this altar for prayer, I want to ask if there's someone here tonight. You're not right with God. Your sins are leading you to an eternity separated from a holy and a righteous God. Your sins are destroying you like a cancer on the inside. There is hope tonight only in the gospel of Jesus. The good news that Christ came not just to teach us some good things, but when He became a man, He went to the cross. He died there as a substitute for your sins and mine. He did not deserve the cross. We did. But he took it on our behalf. And if you tonight, the Bible says, if you will turn from your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be saved from a perverse generation. You can be saved from the penalty of your own sins. Before you leave this place, you can have what I had. As a 16-year-old, I was radically changed. The direction of my life radically changed. And maybe that's what you need tonight. You need to be born again, a new life. I'm not asking how religious you are or how many churches, churches you've been to. Are you right with God? If not, you can be tonight. If you would simply do one quick thing, you'd slip up your hand. You'd say, please remember me when you pray tonight. I need salvation, I need healing, I need forgiveness. Is that you? Can I see your hand tonight? Is there anyone? Quickly. Nobody's looking around for just a moment. You're not saved, you're not right with God, but you want to be. There's hope tonight for you, for, for me, for anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord. Don't leave this place separated from God. What about you, prodigal? What about you, running from God? What about you, Jonah? The wayward prophet, the one who runs from the will of God. The one who God says to go one way and you go the opposite way. 
Are you here tonight backslidden from the Lord? Are you here separated from His will? You made some decisions that have taken you out of God's plan for your life. Maybe you need to come home to the Father's house tonight. Is that you? Would you slip up your hand? Anyone quickly tonight as God speaks to you? As God challenges you? Is there anyone at all? Quickly, slip up your hand so I can see it. Amen. Let me, let me change this call. We're going to open up this altar for prayer. And I'd like you, I'd like us as a church to come together to this altar. Because the truth is that we all get wrapped up in our own business. We get wrapped up in our projects at the house, the honey-do list. We get wrapped up with our work, with our jobs. We get wrapped up with our daily routines. We get so embroiled in our own business, many times the Father's business, the Father's business languishes and goes undone. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.